service to the Lord in prayer. I'm trusting the Lord for another good service. What a wonderful service we had this morning, and I appreciate all the things that the Lord did this morning, but as we come back tonight, I believe he's got another word for us tonight, another message for us from the Word of God, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited about this service, so let's go to the Lord. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this day. Thank you for the, the blessings that we have already experienced this day. We thank you for your love, for your grace, and for your mercy. Father, we come to you on behalf of this service. Once again, we plead to you for your presence here. Father, I pray that you would just speak to each and every heart. May your will be done in this service. I pray you'll bless those that have a part in the singing, the choir, the special singing, and especially as your word goes forth, I pray that you'll just bless your man as he brings the message you've laid on his heart. pray that you would just anoint him. And as the message goes forth, I pray that it would accomplish that for which you want it to accomplish the purpose that you have in mind. I pray that you would have your will and your way with this service. We'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that last verse now. I heard about a mansion Jesus built for me in glory and I heard about the streets of God beyond the crystal Once again, it's almost a one a time in Tennessee. Anyway, that's for Vols fans. <laughs> anyway, we're, we are just about ready to get started. Actually, the uh, first date of Awana uh, Club Night will be September 13th, so it's not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, and we are gearing up and getting ready for an exciting year in Awana. And uh, we've got a lot of workers that have come in, some newer workers uh, coming in this year. But we definitely still need more workers because we are aiming to reach more and more children in this area. And the more children that we reach out to, the more workers we're going to need. So 
If you see a bunch of us running around and you think, well, they probably got plenty, no, we don't. And we can always need more help. And so anybody that is anybody that's ever considered working with children, it would definitely be something that you would never, ever regret. And it is the highest honor that could have been ever given to me to have the privilege to be a part of the Iwana ministry. And uh, I know that you would feel the same way if you would give it a chance. Um, but um, if you ever have any questions about that and would like to be involved, please come and see me or anyone else that works in Iwana, and we'll get you going. Uh, this week, real quick, we've got coming up, and I know you've seen in the announcements, on Saturday we have got the Splash and Dash 2000. This is just going to be an afternoon of water games and different things that we're going to do with the kids. Parents, all of you that have children currently in Awana, you are most definitely, bring them out here, 12 o'clock, and uh, we're going to play a lot of games with them, but then we're also going to be going out through the community and trying to get kids to come over. They may not know anything about this church. They may not know anything about the Awana program, but we are going to introduce them to it by bringing them over here and let them have a fun time and uh, so that'll be a great afternoon. So on Thursday evening, there'll be a bunch of us Awana, so leaders, uh, if you can come out Thursday evening at 7 o'clock, we're going to be going out through the neighborhood and passing out flyers, inviting them to come to uh, on Saturday. And then Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, we'll be going out, so I need as many leaders as possible. And any of those, uh, any of you here in church that would like to come out and help us go out through the community, and just pass out flyers and invite kids to come over here and have a good time. We want to see these children that are lost. We want to see them saved. And that is our goal. And we, we have a community just right around us that is thirsty. And uh, so we've got water games, and that may not quench their thirst, but we can introduce them to someone that will. And uh, so any help that you can give us, but we wanted to let you know that this that we are excited about the year that's coming, and we are going to work very hard to, uh, to instruct your children in the principles uh, of Christ and also to win those around us. And uh, we ask for your prayers, your support, and we thank you for your support. Uh, several Sunday school classes have supported us uh, for a long time now, and we thank you very much for that. Uh, but we ask for your continued support and in all the things that are coming. And I've taken up way too much time, so thank you. All right, I'd like to ask the ushers to come, if they would, and we'll take up the regular Sunday evening offering. And as they do, I just want to remind you to continue to remember this week, Brother Ken and the family as they are away, uh, for the Lord to give them safety and just a good time of refreshing with the family, good vacation and bring them back safely to us on Thursday. Also, our hospital list, you'll notice in your bulletin, we want to remember those that are in the hospital. In Hell South is Carolyn Bokina. She may be uh, going home tomorrow. She's not ready to go home, but there's some problems with the insurance, so we want to remember to pray for Carolyn Bokina. Uh, Juanita Warnick in Huntsville and Doris Myers. This is Sandy Sutton's mother at Memorial Hospital. We remember this. And then Dean Brooks was telling me about his father. He's going to be having arterial gram. Uh, done tomorrow or Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, so let's remember him as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do again thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege to be able to give. We do pray that you'll just be with our pastor and their families, their way, give them a good week, 
And Lord, we lift up to you those in the church that have needs, especially those that are in the hospital. Lord, I pray that you would just touch them and bless them. Again, thank you for the privilege to give. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's all stand tonight as the choir comes down. The ladies go play through a few verses here. We get out around here. We just don't stand around on our, you know, on our spot. We get out and cross all around, go up in the balcony, shake hands with every choir members. We sing one day, one day, get out, please. Just don't stand there. Those that have friends must first show themselves friendly. Continue shaking hands. Get you a songbook if you're through. 167, page number 167. Everybody get you a book. Ladies and y'all, guys, just keep shaking hands. You'll be all right. Don't quit yet. together one day when heaven was filled with his praises one day when sin was as black as could be jesus came forth to a born of a virgin welcome amid my example is he living he loved me Hey. 
can't think of a song that is any more true than that. He is more than wonderful. And if you know him tonight, I know you feel that way. And you've learned that in your, in your life, in your Christian walk. Well, it has been a real joy to have today with us Brother Bob Sanders and his wife. And uh, the message today was just such a blessing this morning. Um, the ministry of suffering, what a blessing that that message was. And I'm looking forward to this evening. And I'll ask Brother Bob Sanders if he would come and then bring the message that God's laid on his heart for tonight. Bless you, my brother. Amen. I was thinking as uh, the choir was singing the song and uh, I noticed one of the two of the choir members was looking as they were singing, watching me on the front row. I, uh, the main choir sings up here and the rest of the choir sings on the front row down here. And uh, so I, I have a tendency, I sing with everybody, ever special, whatever's going on. Uh, I enjoy, enjoy singing. And I was thinking as they were singing that uh, song, Old Come Angel Band, was such a, a blessing to my heart. I began to think about verses in the Bible, began to think about uh, the Apostle Paul and 
and how that in the book of Philippians he talked about a warfare that was going on in his heart and life in a, in a straight betwixt being in this world and ministering to hearts here and having a desire to move out. And I wondered the number of times that maybe, uh, even though that song wasn't around, but a similar thought began to race through his mind about the angels, maybe a time of departure. And then finally over in the Word of God, he said as he was writing to a young preacher boy, knowing that his days were nigh near the end, he said, I fought a good fight. He said, I've kept the faith. And I believe maybe, and not, maybe not those words, but I believe that began to muse and make melody in his heart. He said, Lord, why don't you just come? Why don't you just send the angels? Let them come and carry me away. Let me drop this robe of flesh and rise to seize the everlasting prize. Why don't you let me walk into your presence at this moment, at this part of time? And you know, I'm thinking as I was looking across the auditorium, I was thinking of many of the folks that I've shaken hands with while I've been here and uh, the years that they've been faithful to serve the Lord and minister and serve God, there'll be a day come when that faithful soldier will lay down the armor and lay down the sword and the angels of God will come and carry them to their rest and abode and carry them to reward. And I want to live a life in such a way that one day when my time comes, I can hear him say, well done, well done. Nothing pleased me any greater than to hear my Lord and Savior say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you will tonight, I want you to open your Bibles to the book of John, John chapter number 21. I want to read just a few verses. We'll be looking at the majority of this chapter, especially the end of this chapter. And uh, we dealt this morning with, with an element of suffering. But tonight I want to deal with another area of our lives that is, I think, very needful and uh, an area that, that I think most of us should know something about and it is the, the area of love. And uh, tonight I want to deal with our love relationship with the Lord. Uh, the Lord is very interested in us loving Him supremely. As John was writing there to one of the churches, he, he commended them on several things of their works and their labors and their ability to judge. But he said when he came down to the very end, he said, there's one thing, one thing thou lackest. One area of confrontation that I have is not with your labor, but my confrontation is with your love. And we find a man here by the name of John. And uh, I think it's interesting in the way that he is remembered in the Word of God. Notice, if you will, in John 21 and verse number 20. Notice then Peter turning about, seeing the disciple. Now notice how he describes this disciple. Whom Jesus loved following. This is John which also leaned upon his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayed thee? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? 
follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testified these things and wrote those things, and we know that his testimony is true. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what our hearts have already enjoyed, for what our spirits have been elevated and lifted up into the very presence of God himself. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, as we enter into this time of the preaching of the Word of God, I, I ask that you'd give me clarity of thought. I ask that I would be sensitive not only to the leadership and the direction, but the pace of the Holy Spirit. Lord, breathe upon us and use us as only you can. And we'll love you and we'll thank you for all that you're doing. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to deal with this thought tonight. John, the loving Christian. I think sometimes that we need to pause and ask ourselves as if, if we are in the right love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I sometimes think that we have, we have gotten to the place that we can think that we can substitute our labors for our love. But may I remind you that I believe that according to the Word of God, the book of the Revelation, as God wrote to that church there, I believe God is more interested in our love than He is our labors. I think sometimes as I watch the modern day family and I watch men and women as they uh, scurry off into the workplace and they work and they labor and their attitude is, uh, I don't want my kids to lack for nothing. I, I do not want them to be brought up like I was brought up. I, I do not want them deprived and we labor to give them things. But I think sometimes what they need more than our labor and the fruits that our labor provides to them is our love. I believe they would be more interested in having a day with daddy than having a new toy on Saturday. I believe they would be more interested and enjoy the hugs of mama than some new furry toy that mama was able to buy. And sometimes I believe that we as a Christian family have gotten into the idea that if we can just work harder, God will love us more. And yet somehow we have substituted that fervent labor and we have gotten cold and indifferent and dry in our love relationship with the Lord. And I think sometimes rather than us laboring and, and uh, uh, scurrying about, God would be more interested in us uh, crawling up in His lap uh, through the means of the Word of God or the melody of a song in our heart and just worship and pillow our head upon the breast of our Lord and loving Him and adoring Him and musing and enjoying some opportunities with Him. As you look at this man by the name of John, uh, he is remembered as a man there, as the Bible said, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I ask myself, along with other writers of commentaries, what does it mean to be the disciple whom Jesus loved? 
How is it that as you look at John's life and you look at the lives of other men and you look at the Bible where it said there as he walked to an open tomb and as he stood before that tomb he wept and the Jews said as he stood before Lazarus' tomb, my, how he loved him. As that rich young ruler ran into the presence of Jesus and knelt and asked him what he could do to inherit eternal life. And then because he had a love for wealth more than he had a love for God, the Bible said he went away sorrowful. But the Bible said, and Jesus looked upon him, and Jesus loved him. How can John claim to be the disciple whom Jesus loved? How can he claim that that special place of intimacy uh, when we know that we have a God that uh, is fair and a God that loves all and knows all? I believe that a fellow by the name of Gaston Foote gave the best illustration. He said, Jesus had no teacher's pets, but the tender, demonstrable, affectionate nature of John drew from Jesus a demonstrated response. I want you to listen to this very carefully. It was not so much that John was Jesus' first choice, but Jesus was John's first choice. I wonder tonight as we examine our own lives, as we stand and sing songs like, Oh, how I love Jesus. I wonder if we would truly examine our own life that he was the disciple whom Jesus loved as he got himself in the position to experience the fullness and the entire joy of the presence of knowing the love of God. The best earthly example that I can think of that is a personal example about me and my grandmother. My grandmother on my daddy's side gave birth to ten children. She had eight boys and two girls. And as I grew up uh, in that large family, uh, they had numerous uh, uh, cousins. I had numerous, uh, uh, she had numerous grandchildren and numerous great-grandchildren. But my dad and my mom and my uncles, I I would hear them talk about my grandmother. And they would say about her, about her, that she had the ability not to show any partiality. That she not only loved all of her children equally, but she loved all of her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren equally. But may I tell you tonight that she had a favorite. You say, Brother Bob, who is her favorite? Right here is her favorite. I'm her favorite. You say, well, Brother Bob, how do you how can you say that when the when the, the, the your dad and your mom and your uncles and, and everybody says that she had no favorites? Uh, I'll tell you why. I positioned myself. I got in the position. I can enjoy the fullness of my grandmother's love. You know who of all the grandchildren spent more nights with her grandmother, with my grandmother, than any other grandchild? 
I remember the nights of sleeping in a feather tick and beside an open window and hearing the hoot owls as they would get there and the pear trees and the frogs as they would holler across the, in the open pond and all of a sudden it would begin to run, run, rumble off in the distance and pretty soon they'd be the pitter-patter of that rain on that tin roof. As I laid there nestled as just a little three and four year old boy next to my grandmother there in bed. I remember the mornings it was cold and I could hear shaking the ashes down and, and I'd jump out of bed and she'd have the doors open on the stove and have my clothes hung over the side of the doors and I'd run in behind the stove and there standing warm and dressed and knowing that pretty soon for the first time nobody else would give it to me but my grandma would give me coffee. If you could call, if you could call three quarters of a cup of milk and one quarter cup of coffee. Coffee, that's what I got. But I learned to sip it out of a saucer like the old people sipped it. May I say, when in the 1960s when she passed away, she laid in the hospital bed. They started giving visitors every 30 minutes. You know who the last person was to see her alive? You say, did she love you more than the rest? Maybe not. But I put myself in the position to enjoy the fullness of the love of my grandmother. You say, does Jesus love me more than anybody else? I don't know. Have you put yourself in the position that He can love you and you can enjoy the fullness of His love more than anybody else? That's the way it was with John. See, John... John was the disciple whom he loved. Why? Because John put himself in the position. John may have not been Jesus' first choice, but the idea is, uh, uh, as far as John was concerned, Jesus was his first choice. John loved Jesus. I want you to look with me at just a couple of things about how that John demonstrated or how true love manifests itself. Notice, if you will, here in verse number 20, if you will, notice a little phrase. Then Peter turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, talking about John. Now notice this little phrase, which also leaned on his breast at supper. If you're taking notes, write this down about love, the communion of love. Love always wants to be near the object that it loves. At that last Passover meal, as they begin to gather around the table, and, and they would have a, a table down low, to whereby you had to lean on your left elbow and lean and reach over and, and, and recline on pillows and reach across the table with your right hand and eat. Uh, it meant the next fella that when he laid down, his head would have come about the middle uh, of the chest or the belt area uh, of, the, of the person beside him. And John waited and John made sure that when everybody sat down, he watched. Uh, and when Jesus sat down, he ran and got in his place. You say, why, Brother Bob? Because he wanted to be near the object that he loved. Have you ever thought about this? Every one of us tonight are creatures of habit. You say, I don't believe it. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you are sitting in the seat you always sit in? Matter of fact, I was kidding one of the young ladies. She was 
sitting over here just previous to the choir starting. And I said, you were, uh, I shook hands with her. I said, I was getting worried because she normally sits right back there and she got in her place before it was over with. And you know what? Have you ever thought about this? Uh, even though we have recorded for us the, the last Passover meal that, that Jesus celebrated, if Jesus had an earthly ministry of three and a half years, he had to celebrate at least three more, two more at least. And you know what I believe? I believe John was a creature of habit just like you are. And I want to tell you, Brother Brian, I believe every Passover meal, I believe John was sitting at the same spot. You know why? Because I believe that even as this young teenage boy wanted to be near the object that it loved. Have you ever thought about this? That, that, that John was the first one after Jesus was taken and by the soldiers and taken to the high priest's house that John was the first one to get there. That when Jesus was hanging on the cross and several of the other disciples were not mentioned and nobody else was there but numbered among the women, the Bible said there was John. And the first one of the disciples to outrun Simon Peter and get to the tomb, who was it? John. You say, why? Love would not keep him away from the object that he loved. Have you ever noticed as kids are growing up, there'll be boys and girls and far as they're concerned, the boys and girls as they look at one another, the, the, other, the other race or the other gender is from a foreign planet. They have nothing to do with one another. They're, they're oddities. If nothing else, they're just someone that's in the way that, that you have to choose on your ball team. But all of a sudden, something happens one day. They get to looking at one another, and it's no longer a, a look of, of rejection, a look of, of, of re, being repelled, but it's a look of attraction. And all of a sudden, the first thing you know, old Billy was hanging around with Sam and Steve. Doesn't want to hang around with Sam and Steve. He wants to hang around with Samantha. And the first thing you know... Uh, it's almost like they're inseparable. They're joined, you know, from the upper torso down to the, where their hips are. You can't get them apart. And the next thing you know, they come and say, I wanna, we want to spend our life together. And they join in matrimony like we had the wedding here on Saturday night. Years progress, and as time goes on, they enjoy a fruitful life together. And finally, age keeps, uh, catches up, and one is taken in death. And you hear one say, as they look into the casket, I don't think I can live without them. You know why? Love does not want to be separated from the object that it loves. You say, Brother Bob, how can I tell if I love the Lord? Well, let me ask you a question. How much time do you want to spend with Him? How near do you want to be near to where He's at? How, 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 do you, how much de desire do you have to be where He's at? John, John could say uh, this evening, he can say, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. Why? Because I made Jesus first choice. I want to be near him all the time. But look at another little phrase. It's found in verse 20. Not only it says in verse 20, whom Jesus loved. And it talks about how that he leaned upon his breast at supper. But notice this phrase. And said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Write this down. The communication of love. 
Did you know love has no secrets from the object that it loves? As you go to that last Passover meal, as they're sitting there and they're, they're breaking the bread and they're passing the wine, uh, the Bible talks about that at a point in time, Jesus is, is very sorrowful of heart and he looks uh, over, the, over those that are gathered around and he says to them, one of you is going to betray me. And they in unison begin to question, is it I, Lord, am I the guilty one? Am I the one that's going to betray you? And after a little while, I do not know exactly where he's seated. But Simon Peter looks across the table to John. And he motions to John. And the Bible said, ask him. Peter's telling John, ask him. Ask Jesus who the traitor is. Now think with me just for a moment. If you're any kind of Bible student at all, has Simon Peter ever had a problem opening his mouth? Has he ever had a problem asking questions? Has he ever, has there ever been a question asked he did not have the answer to? Why did he ask John to ask Jesus who the traitor was? You want me to tell you why? Because out of those men that had gathered in, those, in that room that night, they knew if one man could get the answer from Jesus, John was that man. Because love keeps no secrets from the one that it loves. Let me give you an example. Don't want you to turn, but... Write it down. It's found in Judges chapter number 16 and verse 15 through verse number 18. There you have the story of Samson. And as Samson is making havoc among the Philistines, uh, the Lord of the Philistines are, 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 are trying to find some way to, to suppress, some way to shackle, some way to, to stop this, this leader of the, of the nation of Israel, subdue him in some manner. And all of a sudden one day they noticed that Samson's visiting a house in a lady by the name of Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines go up there and they say to Delilah, if you can get the secret of his strength, if you can get him to tell you how, how that we can bring him down and make him an ordinary man, we'll make it worth your while. So she begins to ask him. What is it that's the secret of your strength? And he talks about new ropes. And she says, the Philistines be up on you. And he breaks them. Talks about the little whips. And, and he rises up. And then finally one day, listen to what she says in paraphrase. How can you tell me that you love me and will not tell me the secret of your power? The next verse says something like this. And he told her all. That was within his heart. Why? Why would he reveal? Why would he pour out his heart? Why would he put himself in danger and relinquish uh, uh, his power? I'll tell you why. Love has no secrets. Love communicates. Love wants to talk to the object that it loves. You say, Brother Bob, do I love the Lord tonight? Let me ask you a question. How much you want to talk to him? 
How much do you want to enter in and, and that, that, that channel of communication? How, how often do you find yourself wanting to muse and wanting to fellowship and wanting to draw near in intimacy? Do you spend time with Him? Do you talk with Him? Do you allow Him to talk to you? And notice in verse 21 we find another interesting thought about love. Not only the communion of love and the, and the communication of love. But look in verse 21 and notice something. And Peter seeing him, talking about the disciple whom Jesus loved, said unto, unto Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Now notice something about, about this. Not only is there the communion of love and the communication of love, but there's the commission of love. Love wants to serve the object that it loves. Uh, love wants to respond in servitude. Love wants to, to do something to serve the object that it loves. Now, have you ever thought about this? As Jesus is there previous in the chapter, the disciples gather around and He's passing out bread and fish and, and, and the meal. And when the meal's ended, he looks up and his eyes meet the eyes of Simon Peter. And he says to Simon Peter, Lovest thou me more than these? And immediately in a positive response, uh, Simon Peter says, Yea, Lord. And did you know? notice in the text that every time that there is an affirmative answer to his love for the Lord, Jesus commissions him to work. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. You, you say, what does Jesus know? Jesus knows that if you truly love something, you want to serve it. And in John's life, there's a personal commission. Jesus there is... As uh, uh, Simon Peter says, what shall this man do? He said, don't worry about what he'll do. You follow me. There's a personal commission for all of us. And I want to tell you, there's not one of us in this room that's saved by the marvelous grace of God that God doesn't have some personal ministry, some personal service just for you. And I want to say this, it doesn't matter whether anybody else serves God or not. You ought to serve God if you love Him. But I want you to notice not only the personal commission, but, but I want you to get this one. The particular commission. Remember Jesus is hanging on the cross. He looks down from the cross and there uh, gathered at the foot of the cross is a group of women. And in that, in that group uh, is His mother. And, and we assume from what we know that Jesus was the head of the household. Joseph is done dead. Jesus is responsible for His mother and her livelihood. And He looks over to the side and there stands John. And He looks at John and He says, John, behold thy mother. And, he mean, and the idea is He's saying, John, I want Mary now to be your mother. I want you to take responsibility. And he looks at Mary and he says, Mary, behold thy son. John now is the breadwinner. John is responsible for you. Have you ever thought about what maybe went through John's mind? As he is being given the responsibility to take care of Mary, the mother of our Lord. Here's a man that's followed Jesus Christ for three and a half years. 
here's a man that has listened to his words, has, has listened to uh, uh, him pray, has listened to possibly what f- great things that he, he may do in the ministry for God. And all of a sudden Jesus said, I want you to start a nursing home ministry. I want you to take care of my mama. And can't you imagine John maybe in his heart saying, you know, I had a lot of things in mind on serving God, but I didn't think taking care of old people was one of them. But notice something special about love. And I want you to get this. I want you to get it in your marriage. I want you to get it in your relationship with Christ. True love not only serves the object that it loves, but true love serves in the area that the object wants to be served. John didn't pick his area of service. But love in John's heart says, if it's taken care of your mama, if that'll please you, then I'll be glad to do it. You know, every now and then as we live our lives, we say, you know, I tell you what, I love you, Lord, and wouldn't mind being a preacher. You know, John may have said, Lord, I tell you what, I really want to serve you, and if you got any openings for preaching on the day of Pentecost, I'll be it. You know, if you'd like somebody to write uh, the, the biggest part of the New Testament, I'll be it. But I sure didn't think I'd be hid away somewhere taking care of your mama. But you know, true love wants to serve that object. And not only does it love it so much, but it wants to find out what that object wants and then give to that object exactly what it wants. A lot of times in our Christian life, we sit around and we say, Lord, I, you know, I, I really wouldn't mind maybe singing in a choir, but you know, I, I surely don't care a whole lot about passing out treats and watching that group of kids over in Awanas. Lord, I, I really wouldn't mind maybe in some capacity of the Sunday school or something like that, but Lord, I, I really don't care anything about giving up two hours of sleep on Sunday morning driving a bus. Now see, the moment that you or I begin to dictate or pick our area of service, what we're saying is, Lord, I love you, but you've been relegated to second place because I love me more than I love you. No, John said, Lord, not only do I have a personal commission to love you, but I have a particular commission, and that is to please you at any area of my life. May I say whatever it is that God's working in your heart, if you love Him, you'll find out what He wants for you particularly. And then you'll give your life to do it if you say you love Him. But notice something else about love. Look in verse number 20. We find something interesting. Then Peter turning about seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved. Notice the next word. Don't miss it. Following. If you're taking notes, write this down. The consistency of love. If you read the text and and read it from the entire chapter, you never find one time where Jesus said to John, follow me. You know why? Because John there some three and a half years earlier as Jesus walked up the seashore of Galilee and he and his brothers were mending nets, Jesus come by one time and said, follow me. And as far as John was whatever Jesus wanted he'll do it from now to eternity or to the day he dies you know why 
Because love is consistent. Love does not have to be recalled. Love does not, does not depend upon what others think or what others do or whether others quit. John's saying, hey, the rest of you can do what you want to, but I'm going to follow Jesus if I can see. There's that commission, that relationship that is constant. But, but I want you to notice something in this consistency of love. Not only in a consistency in a relationship to follow. But I want you to look at verse number 25. And it excited me when, when I felt like the Lord showed this to me. In verse 25, it almost seems like it's closing out the chapter. And, and it's almost like it's a footnote. It's almost like that, that, that somehow it's not attached to the rest of, the, rest of the, the verses. It's like you go down and you come down to the end and, and it says uh, in verse 24, and, and we know that his testimony is true. And then all of a sudden John goes on and listen to the words. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if, if they should be written, everyone... I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. You know what I, I begin to realize as I read that verse, what John is saying? John's saying, I've written everything God's told me to write, but it's not everything I remember. You know why? Because not only is there a consistency in love in a relationship, there's a consistency of love in remembrance. Do you know what the world was doing for, as far as John was concerned? It was nothing more than a gigantic stimuli to provoke him to think about Jesus. Every time John got around the, the Sea of Galilee, he thought about Jesus. When he got around uh, uh, maybe where uh, uh, that, that uh, green field above uh, uh, the valley where the Beatitudes were preached, uh, he thought about Jesus. John's saying, hey, this is all in these 21 chapters. This is all the Holy Spirit wants me to write, but it's not all I remember. Have you ever thought about the remembrance of love. How love and how things provoke remembrance and love, true love. When I drive down East Center Street in Kingsport, Tennessee, and I, I ease down through the street there and come up Center Street, and I'm heading up toward the mall up in, in, in hitting Fort Henry Drive, I round a little corner. It's not a, it's not a full turn. It's just sort of a, a break-off. And on the, on the edge of that corner there, there's a restaurant. It used to be it's out of business now, but another establishment ha has it there. But when I pass that store and I look at that, I remember the Peggy Ann restaurant. You know why? Because in that Peggy Ann restaurant is where my wife and I in our early years of marriage would go down. We'd sit down there and enjoy a meal together. And, and one, of the, one of the favorite meals that she had down there in that restaurant was they fixed chicken livers wrapped with bacon and french fries and tossed salad. And, and I don't go by that restaurant that I don't look at it and, and remember the Peggy Ann restaurant and I have remembrances of the days that we had in, those, in that restaurant. 
I, I can go down through food line or some grocery store and as I go down through there and I pass the fruit section the, and the apples and the peaches and all of a sudden I'll look over and there'll be apricots. Now I don't care anything about apricots. But I'll tell you what I remember, my wife loves apricots. And I think of her when I think of see apricots. You say, what are you trying to say, Brother Bob? I'm trying to say if we love the Lord like we say we love Him, we ought to be able to see a star in the sky and we ought to think about the bright morning star. We ought to be able to smell the fragrance of a rose and think of the rose of Sharon. We ought, we ought to be able to, to, to look around as we see this earth. It should serve as a stimuli to cause our hearts to think about Him. You say, what do you mean, Brother Bob? True love remembers the object that it loves. Everything stirs its heart to remember its love. But look at one last thing, if you will. Look over in verse number 7 of chapter number 21. And notice we've seen the communion of love and the communication of love and the commission of love and the consistency of love. But notice, and I want to read the verse and then I'll give you the point. The disciples have been out all night fishing. They've taken nothing. And the process of the morning beginning to break, a lone figure by the name of Christ, which they do not know at that time, comes walking on the shoreline and he cries out, Children, do you have any meat? They holler back, No. And he says, Cast your net on the other side. And they cast their net on the other side and enclose a multitude of fishes. And as they're there at that multitude of fishes, uh, everyone in that boat is consumed with the situation of what's just happened. Except one individual. His name's John. They're interested in the situation. John's interested in the stranger. John keeps looking at that stranger. And therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Love is conscious of the presence of the one that it loves. It has the ability to sense when that love is near. It has the ability to be aware. Nothing sparks joy and excitement and enthusiasm as the presence of the one that it loves. I wonder, have you ever been somewhere, maybe driving down the road, Maybe seemingly you thought yourself all alone and then all of a sudden sensed the conscious presence that God had chose to draw near. John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. Not because Jesus chose John first, but John chose to make Jesus first. A fellow by the name of Burns, as he was writing about this man by the name of John, he made this question in the front of his book. He said, if John's proudest boast was being the disciple whom Jesus loved, what is your proudest boast? If the thing that excited the heart of John more than anything else would be able to say Jesus loves me what's your proudest boast 
What thrills your heart more than anything else? Is it just the simple fact to be able to sing that little song that children sing? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I wonder tonight, as you sit here in this auditorium, do you have somewhere in your heart a sense that Jesus loves you more than he loves anybody else in this room. I want to say this. At times I feel in my heart that he loves me more than anybody else. But all the time I feel that he's been better to me than anybody else. John was the disciple who Jesus loved. But John was the loving Christian would you stand in just a moment we're going to have a verse of invitation but the invitation is very very simple tonight if somewhere within the message and the thoughts of the truths of the word of God God has spoken to your heart maybe you've worked feverishly and labored enduring but somehow there's been a dryness within your own Christian experience Maybe the problem is your labor has exceeded your love. Maybe tonight what God is saying to you and saying to me is, I'd rather have your love than have your labor. For if I have your love, your labor will follow. Our gracious and most kind Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the manifested love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. There as he gave himself a ransom for sinful men. Lord, somehow help us to love you to some measure like you loved us. Lord, have your way tonight in this service as only you can. And we'll love you and we'll thank you for all that you're doing. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.